Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, the Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 106 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobo, Todd, and Peter are here with me tonight. It's the entire family for episode 106. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at r and Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustom.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. You can find us on Twitter, but you know this. You can find us at AVG Cheese. And you can find our website, www.avgcheese.com. It's the best part of this entire episode. And only faction. The fact-based part of the show comes now. Six. Well, you know, we've had some really great numbers, and we've covered some really great numbers over the last few weeks. And then the Packers in history have had some really bad numbers that we've had to cover. But I don't think there's a worse number than number six. Really? Can come up with Gabe Wilkins? With the worst Chris number, Gizzy? Worst number. Love <laughs> it. <six. No. laughs> <laughs> it's the 11 episode. He's been on the Packers roster for eight games. <laughs> so... so so, so here's a here's a list of some of the guys that have worn number six, right? Joe Callahan, Graham oh, Harrell. Ooh. Graham Harrell, that was a great college player, Texas Tech. Yeah, sure. Kurt Benker. All right. Yeah. All right. Dallin Levitt, as we know. And then a couple of punters from the 2000s that I don't even remember. Ryan Flynn, Derek mm. Frost, who apparently punted for 12 games for the Packers in 2008, but I do not remember him at all. No. So there's, there's, there's three guys from the 1920s who each played one season for the Packers. So it's a real struggle, this number. So number six this week is J.K. Scott. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> It oh. is the worst number in history. Oh, my AK God. A.K. fucking Scott. The whitest white guy on the face of the fucking earth. J.K. Scott, the paperweight, right? Oh the the lightweight. So he, he, he already has started to fill the square jar up, though. I'll give, oh I'll give, I'll give him that. J.K. Scott. So of all the number sixes in Packers history, he's played in more games for the Packers than all of the other number sixes put together. What? <laughs> So it can only be him. As we know, Packers putter from 2018 to 2020. And here's the thing, the other thing. There are 11 punters in Packer history that have had 150 or more punts. J.K. Scott's gross average and net average is the highest for all of those punters that have had 150-plus punts. Wow. Why the fuck did we get rid of him? <laughs> Because <laughs> we said they had to get rid of him. I mean, yeah, I guess. And then we got Bohorquez, who fucked everything up for us in the playoffs last year. So, <laughs> what else? Um, <laughs> there isn't much else to say about him. He was drafted by the Packers in the fifth round. Another. He's still another in the draft. NFL. Yeah, another the Chargers. Pick. Yeah, yes. He's with yeah, the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. But what else is there to say? It's not one of the great numbers. 
There's not a lot to talk about unless we turn this episode into the whole Packers punting history episode. We'll save that one for another day. So I I think it's the J.K. Scott episode, but we'll move on. Yeah, they're going to have to give number six to somebody good. That's the bizarre thing about it. As I say, three guys had it in the 1920s. Then nobody had it until the 2000s. And it, wow, it, really? That is really interesting. I even thought about finding a number nine and turning him upside down and seeing if, Christian if it would be a better number six. But We're going to have to do episode 109 in like three weeks from now. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully there's a number nine better than J.K. Scott. That's abysmal. That is the worst. I totally agree. That is worse than Gabe Wilkins. At least Chris, Chris Gizzy had a cool moment. J.K. Scott didn't do anything. He did have that spectacular non-tackle. Do you remember that? When J.K. Scott was trying to tackle somebody and they just kind of like looked at him funny and he fell over. uh, (laughs) Oh, God. I guess he's just a goofy motherfucker. (laughs) There's no other way to really say it. He's like six foot five, like 118 pounds. And the youngest looking guy you've ever seen. Yes, he looks like he's 10 years old out there. All right. Well, that was spectacular. Thanks, Peter. (laughs) Appreciate it. If if that's the best bit of the show, I don't know where we're going. Going way way downhill from here. All right. So let's do some slices. It's the bye week. So there's a little bit more audio stuff, right, from LaFleur and Gutenkraus and that kind of thing. Gutenkraus says that he wants Rodgers to return next year. Yeah, it's just I only put it in there because it's like it's kind of like a repeat of last year. It's the, the talks are already starting, the drama's already starting. So I don't know what to make of it anymore. Lafleur said the same thing. You ink the deal, you know, that they handed him, then yeah, you're going to get up there and say that. Well, but Peter like, and I talked about it last week. I mean, I don't know any scenario where it makes any sense for anyone else to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers other than Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers has also said like. If they want me back. Like I said, it's all starting all over again. It's the whole thing. It's tired. It was tired last year. I really don't want to go through an offseason and listen to that crap again. Yeah, and they're talking about, like, if they're eliminated, do they put in love for the rest of the season and all kinds of shit, so... Yeah. I've watched all kinds of stuff. So I kind of want to see Jordan Love. Peter and I, again, we talked about it last week. What for what? I don't see any scenario, unless, Peter, you've come up with something new in the last week. That shows how Jordan Love can be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers without a tremendous cap hit for losing Aaron Rodgers. The only thing is pretty much what we touched on last week. And I, and I, and I think that if Rodgers is coming back and if that's where this is heading, they have to make a decision at some point. It's still in the back of my mind or, or more to the forefront of my mind that this is an audition time for Love to be trade bait to another team. I hate it, and I hate saying that, and I don't want that, but it's difficult not to at least think that's a possibility. And you look at the quarterbacking around the league, and there's some really bad quarterbacks in this league. I don't want to too deep into this again, but is Jordan Love better than, I don't know, a third of the starting quarterbacks in this league? I'd say yes right now. Now, granted, he only threw eight, nine passes. There have to be teams out there going, hmm, I got Baker Mayfield or I've got Mike White or I've got, you know, whoever as my quarterback and he's not very good. In the Todd Johnson to a cold body of water challenge, it is now six to six. Rashawn Gary has somehow maintained this lead and he has not played in many weeks. Now it's tied. At least two of those sacks were complete garbage, but that's another conversation. (laughs) 
There we or go. shoes and hand grenades if you're in the vicinity. Well, it's only going to take a few yeah. more games and I'll be nice and dry and warm. I mean, there's only a few games left. He's got it easy. All he has to do is get a half set. So right now, Todd's still jumping into cold water. Maybe next week. What if he got it against the Packers? Got his like half sack in the last week against the Packers. That would suck a lot. What was it? Eat a piece of paper for <laughs> sacks? Yeah. yeah. This year, jump into a cold body of water. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen again. Uh, so frustrating. No more Rashawn Gary bets. It's got to be somebody else. The other Dale jumps into a cold body of water. That is for sure happening because Peter is on top. Now, this is a bit strange. Oh, no, you're not on top. You were the other day, Peter, but you've moved down the list. DM Reese on top with 121 wins in the average cheese pick'em. Then it's you and Andy in second place with 120. And Do Your Rant is in fourth. Dale is way the fuck down at the bottom. So there's no chance of me beating you. (laughs) (laughs) Mathematically eliminated. Well, I'm almost mathematically eliminated like the Packers are. They're still in it. I'm still in it. You're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Went out, right? I mean, there really is no other... I would have to win every Scenario. game. Peter would have to forget that there's an average cheese pick for about four weeks in a row, and then I could pass them up. Yeah, like me. Yeah. For like eight weeks in a row. Yeah. Todd, you are 12 and 18. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Only 109 points out of first place. I can make that up. <laughs> so I did a poll on the Twitters. I'm interested to see what you think. I just asked our Twitter friends, which one of these tight ends, and we've complained about the tight ends on the roster, which one of these tight ends will be on the Packer roster in 2023? Tanya, Lewis, or Davis? Todd, I'll start with you. Will any of those guys be on the roster, or which one is it? I could see cleaning the whole, cleaning house, start over. Mercedes Lewis always seems to just be, comes back around. As long as Aaron Rodgers is there, he's going to be there. Tanyan, they don't seem like they're, you know, the offense is scripted for a lot of tight, tight end usage. Anymore, anyway. I mean, he had that, that big breakout year for his double-digits touch, touchdowns, but, you know, it seems like they've kind of shifted away from that for whatever reason. And I would just do away with Tyler Davis. He's just garbage. Peter, your thoughts on the tight end room? Yeah, well, I guess somebody's got to play tight end. Good point. I think a couple of those guys will be back, but I don't know But I don't know which ones. I see Tonyan's a free agent after this year, so the remaining years on his contract are void. So is there a team that comes along and offers him five, six million a year average? Probably. And is that the kind of number that you want to match? No. The tight end room, which I guess is the implication of the poll, is going to get, is going to get a big a big overhaul. Yeah, it's about time they drafted one early. But Todd, to go back to what you said, I don't think that the Packers have a play in their playbook where the tight end, other than that rollout and throw the ball to the tight end in the flat play. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only play in the Packers playbook that the tight end is option number one. They just seem to have gotten away from it. I mean, he did come off of an injury. Maybe he's yeah. not getting open. I don't know. Right. I was actually going to put that in the notes for um, when we get to the uh, the game and under offense. I was going to put like, where's Tanyan been? I think he only had one catch. It was a decent catch. I don't know how many yards, but he had a decent catch and then he disappeared again. Yeah, he had one catch, 10 yards. That was it. I feel like he's just, oh my gosh, I'm running for my life. I need to dump the ball off to somebody. And he happens to be there. Peter, I, I'm interested to hear what you think about this because I thought of you when I put this in the notes. So Tom Brady leads this comeback win. It was vintage Tom Brady. 
as much as I don't like that motherfucker, like I gotta give him credit where credit is due. This guy has ice in it, ice cold veins, or whatever you want to say. He's got ice in his blood, ice in his veins. I don't know. I'm really struggling with words. But the man can play under pressure is what it comes down to. Is Tampa Bay a threat in the playoffs? I think they're a threat in the playoffs because there are question marks about every NFC team. Philadelphia and Minnesota are clearly on paper the class of the NFC this year. But the question marks over those teams is is that neither of them has done it, gone deep into the playoffs in recent seasons, et cetera, et cetera. And until they do it, they're going to have those question marks around them. And the other thing about Minnesota is that they've played nine one-score games and won them all. You know, you have to ha- just err on with some caution on the, so- on the side of how good Minnesota are. I'm not trying to say that as a Packers fan. I'm just saying that just got to be careful until they until they do it. And I think on that basis, I think Tampa Bay with Brady are a threat in the playoffs. I don't expect them to make the Super Bowl. I don't because I because I think there are better teams in the NFC. But across the course of his career, he has found a way to win. That's what it comes down to, in, particularly in one-off games. I'm just sick of the sideline tirades. That shit's getting old. I mean, you see, did you see that one? What is wrong with you, man? I mean, really, you're an old man. He's got old man issues. He's cranky. That's so. Body hurts. Take a fucking old man pill or something. Fucking chill out. An old man no, pill? I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, have to, I, I don't know. But I, 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 I probably need a before few. I come on this show every week. I should have grabbed some of those when we were overseas <laughs> with you. I, I, grab took, some. I, I took five before the show. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. That's why I'm here. The Two show? episodes, I wasn't here because I ran out of my prescription. To get back to it, no, I don't think they're upsetting the playoffs at all. Period. Okay. I think that of the quarterbacks that could be in the playoffs, Washington might be in the playoffs. The Giants might be in the playoffs. The Cowboys, the Vikings, and Philadelphia. Of the quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs in the NFC, isn't Tom Brady the, I mean, he's the one you are scared of the most, I would say. But I'm with you. That team isn't as good. Tom Brady, I think, is better than those guys under pressure. But their team isn't as good. They're six and six. I think they are almost locked into the playoffs. Wow. The NFC North is bad, but the NFC South is as bad. Really bad teams. So at six and six, they're going to win the division. But I think what Peter said, in a one-game situation, if that game is close, I don't want to say I'll count on Tom Brady to win it, but he's won a lot of games in those situations. And finally, the shoe raffle. So I want to talk about this quick. Folks, we're going to finish the shoe raffle at Christmas Day. So if you would like to donate your $5, it's only $5, and you could win yourself a custom pair of shoes of any kind, please do that. I will put the link wow. out there. Any I would, kind? You know, I had it open to Packer shoes, right? Yeah. But I thought in order for us to make the money we want to make, and Dwight has done custom shoes of all kinds, if you go to his website, ddgcustoms.com, you will see that he's made all kinds of shoes, and he would make any kind of shoe for whoever won. So please make that happen, folks. We got to get on the ball, get some money in the pockets of the folks at Veterans Outreach. Thanks in advance, and I'll put that out there this week. All right, injury updates. Todd, should David Bakhtiari come back this year? No. I agree. Peter, any thoughts on that? Totally agree. Why the fuck would he, right? Like, you just had an appendectomy. The Packers aren't making the playoffs. Or they might, but they probably won't. And you just come off of like a knee injury that's taking you like six years to get better from. Let's just stay healthy, <laughs> get better, 
Come back next year. Maybe it'll be a Packer. It's something we'll have to talk about. Chug some beers at the Bucks games. Stay the rock star that you are. We'll see you huh. in 2023, possibly. Same thing with Dobbs. Dobbs is questionable. He could come back for week 15. That's maybe a different story, Peter. What do you think about Dobbs coming back? Yeah, I think he will be back. I've seen it's been they showed some film of him in practice this week. I think as a rookie, I think that providing then no risk behind him coming back, then I think it, I think he comes back. And it will be nice to see Dobbs and Christian Watson playing the way he's playing on the field at the same time. It would be nice to see him come back. I mean, why not? It's different. Bakhtiari doesn't need the work. Like Dobbs mm-hmm. needs to get work. There's different scenarios there, plus an apodectomy and a, you know an injury. Those are different things. I would like to see Dobbs come back. And yeah, if your young guys are the future of this franchise at wide receiver, you want those two guys working together and getting as much work as you can. Can can I just throw something out that's kind of going a little bit sideways from this? Watson being there if Dobbs comes back. Can you imagine if the Packers were to draft a wide receiver, say, in the first round next year or early in the second round, (laughs) and all all of a sudden you've got Watson, Dobbs, and that guy? That wide receiver room on paper then... Doesn't look so bad all of a sudden. You had any guy in particular you're looking at? No, well, there's there's loads of names we could throw out there. But, you know, I, I was just thinking the, we've gone from this not having any receivers to the potential at that point to having three guys. Because then you're Lazards or whoever, or you're number four type receiver at that point. And that, that just excites me a little bit. And right now the Packers sit at, what, 13, I think, in the yeah. draft order, something like that. I know people are bitching because if they'd have lost this game, they'd have been like the sixth pick in the draft. Still at 13, you're getting a good player, or you should be. If your front off is doing their job, there should be a good player in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's debatable whether they do that or not. But, I mean, if they were. If they're doing their job. Yeah. And Aaron Jones, I texted Todd when I was on the plane. I said, dude, is Aaron Jones hurt? He went out and like had had his jacket on and stuff. I, I didn't understand what the hell was going on because it was like during. I think it was during a pretty important drive. Yeah, That's why I asked like, you. Well, being in the bar, I couldn't fucking hear anything. So I, you know, I was just like watching the game. I'm like, is he is he hurt? I couldn't figure it out. The trainers and shit weren't looking at him really. So he was hurt, not injured. Yeah, must be like whatever you have on there, a shin. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I read today on the internet that it was a shin. So yeah. He's all right. It did at least mean that Patrick Taylor got his first carry of the season. Yeah, yeah. he did. Patrick Taylor on the roster now. Yeah. Hopefully he stays on the roster and doesn't get cut or moved. Man, that poor guy. He <laughs> must be staying in a hotel room, right? Like a day-by-day thing like because he never knows where he's going to be. A day's in. <laughs> right. Did the Packers put up the practice squad guys? Like, did they sleep under the stadium or something? Like the boiler room? <laughs> no. That all work. I don't know. Inquiring minds want to know. Now I want to know. All right. So let's get on. The Packers beat the Bears, the Arlington Heights Bears, 28 to 19. I want your thoughts first, Peter, on Justin Fields. Now, Todd and I were both like, this is going to be a very good player. Athletic as hell. Pretty decent throwing motion. He doesn't look awkward back there. What are your thoughts now after watching him for 13 or 14 games? I posted on Twitter, I think this was before the game, I think he has the potential to be a very good NFL quarterback. Every player is different, and they bring different things to the table. While he's not yet the accurate thrower that you would want, he has the arm, and he gives them the potential to put up yardage on the ground with his legs, which he showed on on Sunday. And yeah, I mean, I, I still think that's the guy, If you're if you're the Bears, 
that you continue to build that franchise around. Now you've got to get him help. Yeah. You've got to get him receivers. You've got to get him offensive line help, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I haven't seen anything that says to me, I don't think he can be the guy. Everything still says to me he can be, but there's nothing there that would overly concern me. The one thing that concerns me, and I, I agree with you, he's an athletic dude. He can win games with his legs. As he gets older, he'll still be able to move outside the pocket. He won't necessarily run as much. I think all the tools are there. The one thing that I wonder about him is he's waiting for guys to get college wide open. Haven't used that term in a long time. I think he waits a bit long, and I think that he's not confident to throw it into tight windows. Now that backfired on him trying to throw it into a spot where EQ St. Brown should have been at the end of the game. So I sort of understand that. I still think he can be a very good quarterback in this league. I'm not going to walk back from that. The physical tools are there. I think he's a smart dude. Like some guys come into the league, they can throw the ball through a brick wall. They can run the 40 and 4-2, but they're not NFL quarterback smart, and that's why they don't make it in the league. I don't see Justin Fields as that guy. Are the Packers in it still? Moving on to other things. Are the Packers still in it in your mind, Todd? Mathematically, (laughs) and do they play games like we're still able to make the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you go all in. Yeah, you go until your the wheels come off. That's how you got to play. You can't you can't set that type of example for young guys, right? You can't just like pack it in and be like, yeah, this is what we do every year when things aren't going our way or we're not where we're close to where we're close to being eliminated. We just kind of pack it in. The conversation is if they are mathematically eliminated, I think that's a different conversation. So if they lose this week and they're mathematically out of it, then it changes. Yeah, I mean, they, you have to kind of you know, you have to protect some people you know, from injury and, and give other people opportunities. So that's it's up to the coaching staff and trying to figure all that out, try to create the best outcome that you can. Yeah, 100% agree. I, I You play to win every game, regardless of the situation. I don't believe in tanking talk. And in fact, I don't believe that many, if any, NFL teams tank, right? So yeah, you see teams that fall off the cliff towards the end of the season, but that's because they're not very good teams. They don't need to tank. They're not very good. I think you just play to win every game. If at the point you're eliminated, then you become sensible about it. For example, I'm just using this as an example. If Rogers' thumb's bad and his ribs are bad or whatever, you sit him down for the last couple of games of the season if that's the right thing to do. But by bringing in love, you're still not saying, I'm not trying to win that game. By sitting down back to Yari, we're not saying we're not trying to win these games. Yeah, so 100% agree. Play to win and the... The playoff chips, if they're still out there, just fall the way they fall. And we've talked about this before. Guys on the roster are playing for their NFL careers. The last thing they're going to do is, well, yeah, I'll go sit down so we can lose this game because they might not be on the roster or any roster after that. Tanking is something that fans say they're not trying to lose games or they shouldn't be because that's absolutely ridiculous because people are paying good money to come to those games. I don't want to go to a Packers game and pay $200 for a ticket and have them have every scrub ass out there. I don't want that either. You just look back to those Packers teams, you know, at the 80s when they were going 4 and 12 and what and all of that kind of stuff. They weren't tanking to get to 4 and 12. That's <laughs> they're just that that's bad. That's the team that that's the team that they were, you know? Simple as that. All right, so the good, the bad and the ugly. What was your good? Your best good? In this game against the Bears. I thought I wouldn't be saying it at all, but I thought Christian Watson was was outstanding in this game. Now, he three catches for 48 and a, t- uh, and a touchdown along with, you know, he ran that, I guess you call that a jet sweep. Um, so he, he was lined up on the right. 
went in motion and Rogers just flicked it to him. And Sammy Watkins actually threw a pretty good block. And yeah, that just, he did a, he shielded <clears throat> the guy. He shielded him. Yeah. He got in the way. He got yeah. in the way. He got paid. He gets paid to get in the way. The kid is Definitely shown why they, you know, I, I did not think I'd be sitting here saying this, but yeah, he might be the real deal. Eight touchdowns in four games? Or? Him and Randy Moss are the only two rookies to ever have eight touchdowns within a four-game stretch. The thing I liked about, I'm surprised it's only three catches. It seemed like there was more. But the thing I liked about the three catches were that they were different catches than just the deep ball. There was one on the sideline he caught that was very nice. He set up that run touchdown with a really nice catch over the middle. The touchdown pass that he caught was also in a scramble mode. You know, he didn't have much room there. And being as fast as he is, he can just release and just go further downfield and wave his arm, right? And you're stuck in the end zone. There's nowhere to go. He made that adjustment and, and had a nice catch. Of course, Rodgers threw a absolute shoebox to him. But yeah, I thought he was my outstanding player. And, you know, I don't want to take away from Dylan, but he, he had a great game too. Yeah, I agree with Todd. I was going to mention AJ, AJ Dillon after that. Dylan's best game of the season by far. And we kind of touched on this last week. You know, Dylan's one of those backs that, that you believe is going to get stronger as the game goes on, needs more carries. And he had some big holes to run through as well, which is always, which is always helpful, especially for a guy of his size. So yeah, Watson Dylan on, on offense in particular, very, very good. David Bakhtiari did not play in his game. As we talked about earlier, your line was young. Is it more athletic? And a better run-blocking line when Zach Tom, Yash Nyman, Runyon, Myers, and Jenkins are out there? I don't know. I'm, I'm putting it out there. I mean, with Tom being as versatile as he is, if he plays left tackle, he has had to be in the trenches and had to run block more than a tackle would. Maybe this is a better run blocking line than with Bakhtiari in there. And I'm not trying to downgrade David Bakhtiari at all. But when Tom played left guard for a minute, there were some nice holes to run through too. It's nice to see A.J. Dillon get going. Before the season, I asked you, Peter, if the Packers had ever had 2,000-yard rushers in a season. Right now, Aaron Jones has 847 yards. He's almost guaranteed, right, if he plays in the next four games – he only has to get like 40 yards per game or something like that. I don't have, I can't do the math right now. AJ Dillon has 624 yards rushing. Mm. Now he would have to have like 375. So that's what 90 he'd have to have. That's probably not going to happen. But if he becomes the feature guy going forward for in the cold weather, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It'd be very interesting on a team that is, right on the precipice of going to the playoffs. So you'd have 2000 yard rushers. I'm happy to see AJ Dillon and the Packers gave up no sacks in this game without David Bakhtiari. And it's against Chicago. I mean, come on. If I looked at the PFF grades, there was, everyone was like 75 and above the starting five for run blocking grades. I think it was overall. Okay. Overall, overall grade. Yeah. They had very high performance. What about the bad Peter? What was your bad on offense? It's been one of my bugbears for quite some for quite some time. And I don't know whether this is down to the play call, whether this is down to I'm not quite sure. But but the number of times they get into third and reasonably long situations, say third and eight, third and ten, third and fifteen, and they throw a pass at the line of scrimmage. And you and you picked this out a few weeks ago, Dale, the number of passes they've thrown within one yard of the line of scrimmage. And I understand you've got screen passes and all, and all of that kind of stuff. And sometimes you're hoping to get the ball in the hands of a guy who can make a play, and I get that. But you're asking a heck of a lot, play in, play out, for you know a guy to make 
10 extra yards with the ball in his hand and conversely and I think this is probably what highlights it more is when the Packers defense is in third and 12 third and 15 those guys run 18 yard routes and it gets completed it seems to get completed nearly every time and so there's this great contrast between it being really difficult for the Packers to convert a third and 10 let's say but for their opponents it seems to be just second nature that you know they're going to convert a third and 10 against the Packers and I think on offense, that's my biggest bugbear, and we saw two or three occasions of it this past week. And like I said, I don't know whether that's the play call that's sent in, whether the guys are covered, I don't know. I've not looked at it closely enough. The third, I think when I was texting you, if you look through our texts back and forth, there were so many like third and shorts or like third and ones, and they're they're trying to throw the ball downfield. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, a 255 pound man, you could hand the ball to. Yeah, just maintain possession of the football instead of like going for it. They threw a fourth and eight at the Bears, maybe 45. Uh, Rodgers had all kinds of time and he threw that bomb to Cobb in the end zone. I'm like, what is that? Why? I think Peter, forgive me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but I think they came with no points. I don't even think they attempted a field goal after that. So, I mean, you, yeah. you could have kept the ball moving and maybe, you know, just inched it forward enough for maybe a, a field goal attempt or I don't know, or even a first down, but like. Come on. And he Cobb wasn't even close to open. He's not a deep threat. You don't throw the ball to Randall Cobb like 40 yards down the field. Come on. That makes no sense. And the guy was all over him. I mean, it wasn't even close. So he's lucky they didn't get picked because the ball was like, the guy was just all over Cobb in the end zone. Moving on to the defense. So they only gave up 19 points. So you would say that's not terrible. It is the Bears, but it's not terrible. Any good stuff, Peter, on defense? I thought the defensive line... After probably a quarter and a half, let's say the second half, the defensive line, I don't know which individuals in particular, but they stuffed a lot of plays out and about the line of scrimmage in the set in the second half, which again was another contrast when we saw Bears rack up, I think, 88 rushing yards in the first quarter. Now, I know that 50-odd of them came on Justin Fields' long, long run, but it looked like another game like the previous week. You know, it looked like oh, there's 250 rushing yards coming up here for the Bears by all different means. So I thought the defensive line, second half, was strong. For good? Yeah. I'm going to pass. I didn't see anything. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I didn't see. I didn't think anyone really had a good game. The Keyshawn Nixon pick was a garbage throw at the end of the game. And it didn't matter, right? They were down yeah. nine. Nothing was happening there. That's kind of why I asked you about the Justin Fields things earlier in the show, because I thought, you know, does that part matter? I don't know. Peter, I texted Todd related to the two picks. Will the Packers have two new safeties in 2023? I know I just dropped that on you. I think the first question is going to be who the defensive coordinator is, right? And therefore, that will determine what type of safeties they want. The issue they've got is Darnell Savage is coming back because the guarantee contract of his fifth-year option that they've picked up, that's fully guaranteed. So he's back next year. If he's one of your starting safeties, then no, they won't have two new safeties. I mean, you look at guys like Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon, guys that before this season – we didn't even know we're going to be on the Packer roster. Playing better than the guys we thought were going to start Savage and Amos. If you can just plug two guys in that have never been in the system before and really kind of just toiled amongst teams and weren't great players anywhere they've been, that kind of says something, one, about your coaching, and two, I mean, it says good things about your coaching, to be honest. If you can just plug and play guys, that means they're being coached up at least a little bit. It also talks to the talent level you have at the safety position right now. If any guys can just come off the shit heap and be on your roster and make plays. It's a little, I mean, it's good and bad in both directions. I don't think, 
I know that Savage is a guaranteed contract, but at some point you cannot just pay guys to suck. <laughs> we got more than just Savage. But it's not a stupid number, right? Isn't it like $8 million or something like that for Savage? And I don't want to say that you just piss away $8 million, but maybe you do. I mean, teams have eaten contracts before. If the, I mean, the Randall Cobb contract, when it came our way, this type, the Texans paid a bunch of money so that it was palatable for the Packers to take on Randall Cobb. Why couldn't the Packers do that in return? Let's give, I don't know, Darnell Savage to the Texans, and we're going to pay $5 million of that. I mean, they'd probably take them. They got Amari Rodgers. But, I mean, you could just give them $5 million and say, take this piece of fucking trash, and I don't, we don't want them back. You know, give us a seventh-round pick. It probably won't happen, but it could. Let's move on to the bat. Todd, give me one of the many bad things that you saw in this game against the Bears. One, huh? I felt like Devondre Campbell and Bay Walker, they were awful in this game. I really did. They were just non-existent so, so many plays were just like way walker he he cannot he cannot play the run he he just cannot and i'll throw adrian amos in there as well there's that run by justin field you should you should look at it where amos has a clear shot at just all he had the guy comes to block amos and all he had to do is either try to fight through the block maybe collapse it down to change the direction of Justin Fields in that gaping hole. But instead, he turns to his left and, like, circles around and just ch- try to chase him down. The fuck are you thinking, dude? He's already, like, five yards of the fuck. He, you're not going to catch Justin Fields, fucking dumbass. And he had another one, um, a pretty decent run late in the game, too. I don't know which running back it was for the Bears. It wasn't Montgomery. But it's the same thing. He was just kind of up on the right side, kind of shadowing, and they kicked out the end. And all he's got to do is fill in the gap there. And he's like, took a couple steps to the outside. And I'm like, dude, there's fucking nobody out there. What are you doing? I don't know how many quarters that was. I'm just going to throw a bunch in. But Campbell has obviously had either he's not right coming off that injury from earlier this year, or he's just kind of dropped off the map. I don't know where that guy is. The linebacker play is just substandard for the NFL. Towards the end of last week's podcast, I made a throwaway comment. It said, wouldn't it be just like EQ St. Brown to have a career day? And at one point, it looked like he was going to have a career day. He caught a, uh, a long pass early in the game and then beat Jair Alexander on a long pass. And Kill Harry beat Jair Alexander on a long pass. Alexander kind of made up for it a little bit with the interception because that was a huge play at the time of the game in which it happened. Jair Alexander's not playing like a top five corner in the NFL right now. Whether some of that is system, whether some of that is there's still a lingering injury from last season, I don't know. It's not the Jair Alexander we've seen in the previous years. So that, for me, again, was kind of a, a disappointment because I was hoping that we were going to get, get beyond that. But, but yeah, I mean, he, I don't know what EQ some brother. He only probably caught two or three passes, but for 70 or 80 yards, I would, I would imagine. The tackling, yeah. too. The tackling was just right back to being – I mean – Going back to the field's touch, the rushing touchdown, Keyshawn Nixon had him for a loss, for about a three-yard loss. Wide open, missed him. Didn't get squared up, just completely whiffed him. And I don't know what he ran for. 55-yard touchdown on that play, right? This is along the way. All the way after him, it was like, Nixon. And you could just name him like fucking reindeer. Donner and Nixon. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Donner and Blitzen. Yeah. yeah. We, I totally knew what you meant. Huh? They talked to Jair about the EQ St. Brown catch or whatever. And I, Alexander called EQ a scrub. <laughs> it was awesome. 
It is, but motherfucker, you got beat by that scrub. And he then did. you got beat by another dude who is a scrub. Nikhil Harry yeah. was a first round pick who didn't do shit, still hasn't done shit. And he beat you on that play. So, no. dude, you're the scrub. He did get beat by Harry, but in, in his defense, he tried to play the run. He took like a step or two and then realized, oh, fuck, that he was going back. And he caught up to him, but it was too late. Harry was too big for him. But yeah, he got big brothers, was, but he, he still got, got beat. beat. Yeah, he, he did. He got beat. It was a big play. Both those are big plays. And Nikhil Harry's probably got eight catches on the year. Like, he is absolute hot garbage. He's terrible. Yeah. EQ yeah. St. Brown is terrible. Yeah, you can't I'll... call people scrubs when you're getting beat by those dudes. <laughs> I'm with Peter. This isn't the guy that we hope. I'm hoping he is injured or something is lingering, you know, that injury that he had last year. Because if not, we got a shitload of money tied up in a guy who is now just an average corner in this league. And say what you will about him right now. He's the best defensive player we have still. Playing the best. And he's terrible. Who's, I, yes, well, who, who's right. playing better than him? No, you're right. I'm agreeing. Yes, with he's, he's, he's playing terrible, not up though. to his ability. We all know that. We all see that. But guess what? Still the best defensive player on the field for the Packers. No one else is even coming close. Not even close. You know, we talked about before, are we going to tank? We're not tanking. We talked about that whole thing. I don't understand why Devontae Wyatt isn't getting snaps. TJ Slayton, who now he might TJ Slayton just might be out of shape. He might be that fat guy that, you know, he's not going to give you more than 25 snaps a game, maybe. And he's just going to come in on obvious rushing downs. And Peter, you talked about that when he was drafted. He's a zero technique guy. He's going to take on blockers in the middle. And I sort of understand why he wouldn't play against a Justin Fields because Justin Fields isn't going to run through the zero hole. Or I, I get that. But Devontae Wyatt has to start seeing the field. Dean Lowry, who played okay in this game, isn't coming back. They're not bringing him back. Oh, Jaron Reed, I don't think he's coming back either. You have to figure out what you have in Devontae Wyatt. This is my bad. Let the young guys play. And if they aren't playing well, at least you know, okay, in the draft, we need to pick another guy that plays defensive line. Let's move on. Let's not stick with guys forever and ever who can't play because they're Packer guys. Figure out if they can play and move the fuck on if they can't. That's my bad on defense. I had to say this too. You know, there's a lot of talk about Justin Fields. Is he a running quarterback? Is he a passing quarterback? The best passing stats he's had this year this week against the Green Bay Packers. Peter talked about how Ryan Tannehill threw for like 8,000 yards. It was the first time he threw for over 300 in a season. Justin Fields had 254 yards passing in this game. That is the most he's had this year. So here's a question. If they get mathematically eliminated, is that an, a window to fire Barry at that point? You know it is for me. Peter and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. When Jim Leonard was out there, Barry should have been fired that day, in my opinion. Let's go after Jim Leonard or a young guy like him. I don't fire him now. I, I don't know who's out there. Yeah, I, that's true. There might not be a lot of availability. No, you don't know what you're going to have. You might as well stick with that shit bag for another four games and see what you got. When Leonard was out there, I thought the Packers should have fired Barry on the spot and hired Jim Leonard. I will always say that Jim Leonard was their first option. And when he said no, the Packers hired Joe Barry. 
So if your number one option is was out there, they should have snatched him up. Special teams. Todd, you have not been on the show. I have now called Keyshawn Nixon zero fucks. He gives zero <laughs> fucks about where that kick is. He is running it out. Why? Why not? Why? Fuck it. I mean, that's, that's what I stu- said. Exactly. Stupid. You're agreeing with me. <laughs> no, Fuck it. Stupid. Run it out. It's stupid. What did Keyshawn Nixon average, do you think, on kick returns this week? Don't care because I already know on the two kicks that he brought out that were seven to eight yards deep, one of them was like to the to the Packer 14, and the other one was to about the 20. So right there, if you take a knee in both those situations, what's the gain there? You get it at the 25, right? Yeah, in both such situations, right? If you down the kick and you, you know, get it at the 25. Well, at least 10 yards, at least 10 yards on the one, right? And, and another 5, 10 on the other. So you're losing yards. Keyshawn Nixon averaged 25.5 yards per kickoff return in this game. That's because he's seven to eight yards deep. I don't I, care. I, 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 he does that once. He comes to the sideline and I say, you, you fucking take a knee. You take a knee. We're going to the 25 yard line. We're, we're winning games. We're not, we're not playing this thing. No, especially in a game like that, that was close. If it's late in a game and you're up and it's seven, eight yards deep, people do that all the time. You know, you're up by 20, 25, 30 points, seven or eight yards deep. Go ahead. Bring it out. Not in a close game. (laughs) Come on. I don't agree. Zero fucks is going to bring it out every time. He doesn't care. That's what it means. He's bringing it out. Last week, 50 yard returns. If he would have took a knee in those instances, the Packers probably would have been blown out in that game. Sort of kept him in that game. Yeah, Just saying. He's got to take a knee there. Is he Amari Rodgers? Is he better? Of course he is. Well, so am I. But Amari Rodgers used to hope that ball was getting over the line every time. Now they got to try to bust oh, yeah. it through he the was end praying. <laughs> Please. Yeah. We take a knee. That's why he was touchdown Jesus. Todd, do you bring Pat O'Donnell back next year? Absolutely no. Why not? You have the notes that he is consistent. Yeah, he's averaged, he averaged 45 yards a kick. You're going to disagree? That's why we have the show. I don't like him. He's still got a little bit of bear in him or something. I don't know. <laughs> Would he kick the bear out of him in a year? Hopefully. And I don't think he's the right, like, I don't know. He he obviously hasn't fit into the whole field goal extra point scenario either. I don't, he's not that great of a holder. You want J.K. Scott back, don't you? Yes. I do. Since it is this episode. No. His honorary, legendary status of J.K. Scott. The Bring Back J.K. Scott episode. There it is. That's what That's what this is entitled. He had a long of 52, and he averaged 45 yards, 44.7 yards per punt in the three punts that he had. He had some bad games this year. He did have one very bad game, but it was only one punt against Detroit. He had... He averaged 31 yards, and he had a one punt for 31 yards against the Lions. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't hate him. He's averaging 44.9 yards per punt right now. He's not Bohorquez. No, which it's is not- good, right? <laughs> Bohorquez averaged 40 yards per kick, but one was 75, and the next one went 25. Can't have that. I will say it. Got it to- locked in the goddamn. You know what? Donald wouldn't have had that punt blocked in that game. I wouldn't have had that fucking punt blocked. Right. Here we go again. I knew we had to. We had to bring up the bad memories. Yep. Still haven't seen it, right? Nope. And don't plan on it. There are two games that come to my mind that I will never watch again. One of them is that, I think it's 2014 NFC Championship game against Seattle where they just imploded right. at the end. We'll That's never, where I threw ever... my phone through the wall. 
I will never watch that game, and I will never watch this one. I did watch the Seattle game, but I will never watch it again. That came on in the bar. I'd have to pull that TV down. I'm yeah. sorry. Change the channel or I'm breaking your TV. I put my cell phone right through the family room wall. We don't have anger issues on the average cheese. Nope. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yes, we do. Total lie. Not since we've been taking our old old person's pill before. That's right. <laughs> you have to give me that. Yet. Send me that prescription so I know what to take. And before we leave, Dean Lowry, your guy, blocked the kick. How did that happen? Who the fuck knows? Who cares? <laughs> I don't even want to make a comment on that. Okay. He's cut. He sucks. I don't care. Even the guy sitting next to me was like, I think that was Dean Lowry. I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Lowry got blocked into the kick. He didn't actually make no. a movement forward. The only play he's made all year. Okay, great. All the other fucking long runs and getting flattened on the defensive line doesn't really make up for it for me. So thanks for listening to episode 106 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the J.K. Scott episode. Go back, go. Go back, go. Go. J.K. Scott episode. What the fuck?